What's up, everybody out there? Welcome back to Homesteads and Homeschools. This is episode number 110, and I am your host, the Liberty Hippie, here with you on a Wednesday because I slacked and didn't get up on Tuesday. Um, I'm finding this might be the new uh, the new pattern going forward, uh, Wednesday shows instead of Tuesday shows. Who knew? Anyway, guys, um, like I said, today is episode number 110, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 110. My guest today is a returning guest. I had him on back in episode number 32, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well in case you want to go fresh in your memory. But uh, he is none other than Mr. Jacob Lindsay from uh, Tasting Anarchy and his his new podcast out there called Californian in Exile. And uh, I'll, he'll explain it all, um, but uh, it's not just about California, and it's worth your time to go check it out, even if you're not from California. I swear to you, it is. We're going to get into it here, but before we do, I want to tell you guys that uh, it was a longer show. We kind of kind of kept going for a while, and uh, I, I cut it. I cut it in half. So you're going to get the second half of the interview uh, next week, and uh, this week you're going to get the first half. So um, deal with it. If you don't like it, let me know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give it to you early because I, I think I will have it all edited and ready to go to you on on Tuesday. Maybe I don't know. I kind of dig this Wednesday thing. Anyway, guys, uh, that's all for now. Let's get into it. Let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Mr. Jacob Lindsay. My guest, my guest today is uh, another returning guest. I, I was supposed to look um, before before I sat down and have it laid out when when he came on, but I, I've forgotten. So I will I'll put that in the show notes anyway. Anyway, Jacob, thank you for coming back. I appreciate it, Jacob sure. Lindsay. Everybody, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be back. So. Uh, let's do some housekeeping first. Cause I told my mom, I told my mom next time I was on, I would, uh, I would put in a retraction for a few of the items that I said last time. And so she messaged me after the show. I, I don't know how she found it because she doesn't listen to podcasts, but somehow, and she doesn't listen to my podcasts. I have two, and she doesn't listen <laughs> to one, but she listened to this and she says, I don't know if you have like, if I have a bad memory, her, her, she has a bad memory or if we just had completely different experiences of homeschooling. And I said, well, what was, what was wrong? And she's like, well, nothing actually major. So I guess it wasn't completely different, but she's like, you got some of the times wrong. So one thing she reminded me of is that I went back into school in eighth grade when we moved to Virginia, not ninth grade. Um, so I'd forgotten about that. And then the other one, I thought that my grandpa had pulled a lot of people out of school, like including my older sister to mm -hmm. do a year of homeschooling. Apparently that is not the case at all. Um, he was around because we lived with him, but, uh, in my memory, he's the reason why the homeschooling stuff got started. And he did homeschool my uncle Paul for a, a period of time, but he had nothing to do with our homeschooling. He just, he just was around. So we learned stuff from him, like, you know, things like gardening and things because yeah. he was, he was retired and he was doing that stuff and he lived with us. Um, and, uh, she also said, I didn't, she says, I guess my impression of how loose the rules and stuff were with homeschool was, um, was just my impression, but it was actually way more structured. I just apparently didn't realize it. 
So she did a good job. She yeah. did, did, did a good job. It's it's interesting about your your grandfather though, just in that sense of like that that you would feel that way afterwards, right? And I think it kind of speaks to like the importance of having older older people around, not just, you know, yeah. your parents' age, but older people that are able to contribute to to some of what you've learned, whether it's, you know, through life experience or, or sit down and two plus two equals four or whatever yeah. it may be. Um yeah, well, my my grandma taught me because she, my grandma and grandpa. Well, we we lived with them actually, so we lived at their house, and uh, they, she, my grandma and grandpa were both teachers, uh, public school teachers for a long time. Or my, my grandpa was a public school administrator, but I think he was a teacher too. Uh, and uh, my grandma, she taught special education, which uh, she was retired at the time. By the time I became homeschooled, but she taught me handwriting and math, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom just kind of managed the rest of it. And then, then the, the stuff that I thought like was just like, cause was my grandpa pulling us out. That was just his hobbies. That's cool. So, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Good deal. Good deal. Well, get, get that out of the way. Um, also following up your, your dog. I know you got a, a new dog. Is it, yeah, he's is a it year, still around? He's a, yeah. He's a year old now. And, uh, we haven't fixed him yet still. Uh, but yeah, I've I've heard mixed things about that. I, I really I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to, he seems fine. So like I had, I had, growing up we never had a boy dog. We always had girl dogs. But I'd always heard that if you have a boy dog and they're not fixed, they're too rambunctious and they wreck things. And he he did pull up my olive tree yesterday. So maybe um, <laughs> he didn't pull it up. He just dug around it. And I think I was worried that he damaged the roots or something. But uh, they they say that they're too rambunctious. But I think he's got a good personality. He seems fine to me. Um, He's not like a horn, like a, not horny or anything all the time. He's not humping everything. Actually, the, the girl dog humps more things than he does. So, uh, that's and that's part of it. I think I've heard, I've read or seen people say that like if you, I don't know, I've seen mixed things, right? Like if you neuter them too too young, then the hormones don't stop and then they stay goofy. And you know, I've heard that if you, you leave them on too long and they don't get used, they'll get cancer and heard that you know if you cut them too young then because of the lack of hormones they'll they'll slip ligaments and stuff like that they won't be you know it won't tighten up as they get older so they you know i don't know we have a our great pyrenees is he'll be two in april i think and and he's not fixed yet um but i think that that might be on the table i don't know again he's outside and he's not really i don't know that's kind of the deal Mulder is he prefers to be outside and just chills chills in the backyard all day i mean he I, he's not destructive. He does make a big mess. Like if I, I had a stack, I had a stack of branches and he just pulled all the branches out and scattered them all over the yard. So I had to like pick them back up and put them in a pile and tie them down and stuff. But, and he, he's also really good at like finding garbage. So like, I'll look back there in the back and we, we've got a pool. So I don't really like the garbage, like in the backyard cause it blows into the pool and then I have to fish it out. But um, like, he'll find like, I don't know where he's getting it. He had like, he had a bunch of, you know, those, uh, you know, glow sticks, you know, you crack. So you know how they make those necklaces. Uh, somehow he found like five of those. I don't know where they came from because like, we, we don't have them and there's not like piles of trash in our backyard. It's not even that big of a backyard, but he's somehow finding this stuff and throwing it all over the yard and, I have to go out and clean it up, but you know, he's a good dog. It's worth it. <laughs> making, making sure you stay on top of things. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, a couple of things that bring you back on, um, and we'll, we'll get into all of them, but, um, for starters, I know you, you talked a little bit about, um, kind of 
uh, maybe trying to grow a few more things or doing doing some stuff like that. And we had talked about you getting some trees, and and I know you just mentioned you had a an olive tree get do, dug yeah. out. How how many of those do you have olives? Just the one olive tree, it's, and it's very small. It's like it's like three feet. Um, so it's it's uh it's just a starter, and uh, no fruit on it yet. It's it's a uh, mission olive, so and those those grow pretty well down here, and it's in a pot. Uh, so I can kind of move it around. I brought it in. So we just had, we just had that big, uh, a big freeze down here. It got, it got down. Like it, from my understanding, it's never actually been this cold on record. Uh, and the last time it was anywhere close was 1936. Um, it was like seven degrees last Monday and, um, really cold. And so I, I, so I didn't realize, I, I just didn't pay attention to the weather. It's Texas. So, you know, it doesn't get that cold. And then I saw like, just coming across on Twitter, people going like, Oh, it's going to be this huge freeze. And it's going to be fr- really cold and snow and all that. So I was like, okay, well, let me go get the plants and bring them in. Brought, brought in the olive brought in. I got, so I'll, I'll tell you what I brought in. Cause that's a part of it. So I've got the olive tree. I've got two pomegranates. Um, I've got two apricots. Uh, all of these are in pots. And then I bought uh, my wife an anniversary banana tree. Uh, there's Mulder right there making noise. Uh, and uh, we also have a, it's not an orange. It's a, it's a cross between lemon and Mandarin. Okay. Um, so it's just a little dwarfed citrus tree. We got a couple of fruit out of it last year that were pretty good. Uh, and they're just kind of fun. But um, I also have in pots, a loquat and a cherry. And, but there were, those pots are too big to move once they, when they're full of dirt. And so they, I had to leave those out. I put plastic on the loquat. Um, I'm pretty sure it's dead, uh, but cause I, I think it just got too cold for it. And then today I was out inspecting. I also have in, in the ground, I have a fig and a persimmon hmm. and, um, the, the fig, I was kind of looking at it. It looks damaged. Uh, it has, you know how the figs, they grow those like little, like Hershey kiss shaped buds and then they keep them all year long really. And then, so these, the little Hershey kiss shaped buds are brown. Um, but there's still a little bit of green on them, so they may be okay. The loquat is looks really rough because uh, they're an evergreen, so um, the leaves just look—they're brown and really gross looking now. And uh, so I'm bummed out about that. The persimmon should be fine. Those are—it's a—I uh, can't remember which—it's an Asian persimmon because the American persimmons are uh, are very uh, astringent. People don't really like them, so I got the Asian type, and uh, it looks. Fine. I mean, it looks pretty much the same as it did before. All the strawberries were fine. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, that's every, everything else in the yard was pretty much fine. It was just a couple of the, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the fig. I'm pretty sure the loquat is that's it, but we'll find that's out. A bummer. Yeah. That's a bummer. How, how big is the loquat? Uh, about six feet. Okay. So, but it, in a pot. I, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, one of my my friends has um, some sort of lemon. It might just be a Meyer lemon, um, you know. And we're in Georgia, and it doesn't get super cold. But we'll have you know in the winters once in a while it'll get down. You might see the teens, low twenties. Um, and a lot of times, what happens is it, it like it, it kills the top back, but then the the root ball is still intact, and so it'll it comes back. Um, so I, I don't know how that works in in pots, but. Um, yeah, I'm hope, I'm hoping it's okay. Uh, you know, if I if I had paid it, and I'm gonna I'll I'll kind of make it a point now to pay a little bit more attention to weather. But uh, if I had paid a little bit more attention to the weather, I think I probably could have gotten something 
more insulating out on it rather than just mm-hmm. plastic bags. Um, like, you know, maybe wrap a blanket around the base or something just to keep it, just to keep it insulated a little bit. And, uh, but I mean, you know, it was, if it, if it had just gotten down to like seven degrees one night, I think it would have been okay. But it was, it was under, it was below freezing all week last week. Oh man, was it really? <laughs> yeah. And then this week, this is what's crazy is uh, Monday was 70, Tuesday was 75 or no, Tuesday was 80. Yesterday was 80. Today was about, about 70. So it went from seven degrees to 70 degrees in a week. And, but it was just one of those freak things, you know, that's what they're, it's going around on the news and stuff like that, where everybody's blaming everybody for Mm -hmm. the woes of Texas last week. And there's blame to go around, I'm sure. But um, ultimately it's just, you know, this doesn't, it doesn't happen here and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things, I guess. I don't know. But uh, so with your, your potted trees there, um, are you, are you planning on putting any of them in the ground and you keep them in, in the pots or what's the, the long-term plan there? Some, so this is another thing that I'm kind of ventured out into is some of them I am, I'm going to just keep in the pot. Um, the, the cherry tree. So I've started experimenting with cloning. What kind of cherry is it? Is it like uh, a, like a, a Stella cherry? Yeah. So the cherry tree is now three cherry trees. So, cause I, I took trimmings off of it and, and they're doing really well. Um, just use, you know, some, uh, rooting powder and, and just kind of stuck, basically just cut it, shaved off the bottom, stuck it in some rooting powder, stuck it in the ground. And now they're new trees and they're growing. Um, so that, that was really easy. I was actually surprised at how easy it was. Uh, I, and then, so now that I've got that, so this is kind of what's weird about this part. This is not our we're probably going to be in this house for a long time, but this is not our forever home. This is a quarter of an acre in the suburbs. So at some point, you know, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit later, we're going to be at Childeberg town and we'll have actual property with a food forest and all that sort of stuff. And, and some of these trees, I'll, I'll probably their descendants or their clones in the future will be on the property. Uh, but right now they're just, they're I'm dwarfing them as much as I can and just keeping them small. And um, they're fun. It's fun to do. How, uh, how big are your pots? It's a good. It's a good question because I'm not really sure how to measure a pot. They're they're very large, so most of them most of them can't be moved by myself. Okay, um, they're on wheels, and I and I push. I can push them on wheels into the garage or in. It, there's a small a, a small bump in the uh, to come into the living room, so I can kind of lift them up over the bump and get them as long as they're on the wheels. But yeah, it's just that like the low quat one. The pot is too big. It's empty the pot was probably 100 pounds yeah. and okay. um and now it's full of dirt so it's <laughs> can't you can't lift that no <laughs> yeah because that, that's we um i i'd love to get some citrus trees but that's like one of the things is being able to have them be mobile even in even a, a dwarf tree like you're gonna need a big enough pot that it's you're gonna really gonna have to use two grown men to, to move it around two two big, strong people to move it around. And I don't know. I I don't have that. I'm, I'm half a strong person. So. All right. So I'm interrupting the show today. It's gotta be important. Trust me. It is. I'm up here every week speaking freely, encouraging you all to express all yourself, having mind changing conversations, planting little rebellion seeds that will grow to giant pumpkins of persuasion. Why, why, why am I up here? Because I love to run my mouth. Because I believe in free, uncensored speech. That's why. Because without the innate right to speak my mind and gather at will, the ability to communicate and exchange ideas disappears. 
And I can't think of a better way to exchange these ideas than over a delicious cup of coffee with the people that matter most. So together with John Odermatt over at Finding Freedom, we've teamed up to create Run Your Mouth Coffee to bring you the tantalizing coffee you need to get the uncensored speech flowing. Check us out at rymcoffee.com and use promo code HOMESTEAD to get 10% off your first order. That's rymcoffee.com, promo code HOMESTEAD. <laughs> so, um... Okay, how uh, how long have you had your olive? Because we, ha- I've had, I have, God, I have tried olives so many times around here. Because um, it's uh, like I said, with our, our temperatures, it doesn't get cold enough to kill them. Once in a while, it get cold enough to like kill off a branch, right? So your your tree is still good, but you lose like half of it or whatever. Um, and I've I've not been able to get them to go this year. I've this past winter, I, I kept one, and it's still like alive. The other one, the stupid fire ants dug up but um yeah i'm curious what you what you've how, how long have you had it just just about two years um uh we when did i get it i think i got it i think i got it at the no no you know maybe i maybe it's only been a year i think we maybe we got it for this house actually um now that i think about it but it's, it's not big it's just it's about three feet tall it, it's grown a little bit since we've gotten it um and it's in not a huge pot the pot is kind of a temporary pot for it uh and I do kind of reach in, just see where the roots are and stuff like that once in a while. And for the most part, it's, you know, it's rooting, it's doing okay. And then the dog dug it, dug it up and um, didn't dig it up completely, but he dug a, dug into the pot. And so it was pushed over and I had to kind of like reset it. I hope it's, it's okay. But um, so one thing that's kind of weird about our property and actually this, this entire neighborhood is uh, the entire, entire property is concrete. Um, so there's like, well, there's little sections where the concrete's cut away, uh, and which is weird. And then we have in the front yard, any of the dirt places in the front yard that we have has fake grass on it. So like AstroTurf. And then on the, in the backyard, there's AstroTurf all over the concrete. It's, it's very seventies. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very, it's very unique, <laughs> but the house is really, we love the house. Like when we got the property, we, just fell in love with the house because it's just a, it's a really unusual, um, it's a really unusual kind of, uh, I mean, it's just very, very seventies. It's a very seventies house. It reminds me of the Brady Bunch house a lot. And that's awesome. uh, it's just a really cool house. We, and we liked it a lot and it was also a great buy. And, um, so we got it. And my idea was that we would just tear out all of this concrete in the back and, um, plant a big old garden and stuff like that. And I got about a, not even a third of the way through, maybe a quarter of the way through tearing out the concrete. I went, this is too hard. We're just going to put a raised bed on top of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's what we're doing this year is our, we, we did get, we got, you know, some tomatoes and some herbs and stuff like that last year, uh, a lot of cucumbers and um, some peppers, uh, a, a, our little orange tree. We got two or three little oranges from it. Um, and then uh we were hoping to get some figs, but when I transplanted the fig, the, the fruit that was already on it, just kind of like, they just, it fell off. And, um, you know, persimmons is not really big enough. None of, none of the plants are really that big. We might get this year, we might get a couple of, uh, it, I guess it really just depends on how things go, but I will probably get some more oranges. Uh, we're going to get a shit ton more tomatoes this year because I'm plan I'm planning out the tomatoes way better than I did last year. <laughs> Whereas last year I was just like, well, I'll just put a couple in. And, uh, but this year we're going to put a ton, a ton in and, and kind of plan them out. And, um, 
We might get some pomegranates this year. The plants are old enough that they should. So usually when I order like a tree, like a tree or a shrub, like a pomegranate, um, I try to order them from a, a nursery that has them a couple of years old. Actually, I, these, the, all of these are from Georgia. All the, all the plants I have, they ship them from, they grow them out there and ship them over here. Um, except for the citrus, you're not allowed to ship citrus into Texas for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, some weird law, uh, or at least this part. I don't, I don't know. I think because Southern Texas has uh, like orange groves and, and things like that, so they don't want disease. So yeah, I'm not really, I'm not 100% sure, but that's the rule. So I had to get this, this uh, whatever that gets called, but this like this cross between a lemon and a um, mandarin from a Texas grower. Uh, which, which is fine. I don't mind doing it. It was kind of, it was also kind of like a whim. Like uh, I just saw it and I was like, Ooh, I want this and got it. And it's actually probably the tree that's doing the best. So uh, that and the pomegranates are actually doing well. The apricots probably won't fruit for a couple of years. Oh, I have, um, these came with the house. There's two mature plum trees in the front. Uh, so this is the first year that I actually did. Well, last year we, we arrived too late to do a good, uh, pruning. So this, this fall, I did a, a, a very good pruning on the plum tree. So I'm expecting to get quite a bit more fruit last year, even though they, they clearly hadn't been pruned in years. Uh, I did, I did it some, some, uh, you know, following YouTube and hope, and I have very limited experience with this back from when I lived in California, the kind of memorizing the rules for how to like, you know, you take down the cross branches, you take down the branches that are at a 45 degree angle or lower things like that, just so that they'll, be and you can trim most fruit fruit trees down about a third and they're fine. Um, so that's what I did this year. So I'm really hoping we get a lot more plums. Uh, there's also volunteer dewberries on the side of the house um, that uh, we got some dewberries last year, which are they're basically blackberries, but they're okay. a little bit different. Um, they're you know how like blackberries they grow in like clusters. Dewberries yeah. grow like on the tip of the brambles. It's weird. Um, but there, it's a Texas, a Texas thing. Um, I, I had no idea what they were. I thought maybe they were like raspberries or cause they didn't grow like blackberries. They were, they were different. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll have that. I'm hoping that the fig is okay. Well, and if, if it is, then we'll get some figs this year. Uh, and that's it, you know? Yeah. So when, when you're, when you're pruning, um, cause that's always not like, I remember as, as a kid, we had a bunch of like old, old apple trees on our, our property. Um, you know, it used to be an old apple orchard and everything had grown up. Um, and I had, a, God, I don't know, 40, 50 year old trees. Um, but, uh, I remember like trimming them back and actually like, cause they, and they used to just, we'd have so many apples, like, you know, they're just the size of a, a small baseball, like they're not another, I don't know, bigger than a, you know. Small, small enough to to wing at your brother yeah. quite easily. Um, yeah, we, we we had crab we had crab apples. We used to throw them at each other all the time. That's that's that that's all we used them for, really. But we did. We trimmed it back, and like the apples got a little bit bigger. There weren't quite as many, um, and and you couldn't. It's amazing what trimming a tree back can can actually do. And that's that's one of the things we were trying um, this year because we have a bunch of like wild plum trees around. Yeah. But they're there and they're, you know, it's a small, tiny fruit, but I, I'm curious to see what happens if I actually kind of maintain the tree a little bit and, and force it to kind of do some other things. What, what will happen? Well, so from my understanding, the, I don't know about all of them, but I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about plum tree trimming 
uh, because, you know, that's what you do in 2021 is if you, if you want to know some information, you go watch YouTube videos. Uh, and they were saying that uh, there's a couple things is that uh, plums usually only grow on at least one year old wood. Uh, they don't typically grow on younger wood. So um, when you're going through and you're trimming your plum tree, you should be basically cutting off everything that's young. Because uh, A, you don't want to have to get up on a ladder to get the plums that are really high up. That's kind of a pain in the butt. And and two, uh, it it'll put so much energy into growing leaves on these new on these new branches and stuff like that. And that's energy spent on the new branches that are not being spent on fruit on the older branches. Um, and so by trimming that off uh, or being selective about which ones you allow to continue, uh, it helps the tree concentrate on fruit pr- production. Um, the other thing too, is by uh, kind of cleaning out the center of the tree, you're allowing more light to get in inside the tree so that it'll, it'll hit those leaves and then give a little bit more energy to producing fruit. It also allows more airflow. So you'll have less rotten fruit uh, because if, you know, water won't get trapped in there, it'll, it'll have a little bit more airflow. And then um, like any sort of crossing branches or branches that grow together, uh, uh, the wood will rub when the wind blows and that can uh, help disease get on the tree and any sort of branches that look like they're not super healthy. You should probably remove those as well because um, you know, if they have like flaky bark or uh, weird looking like spots on them or whatever, you just take those off because you don't want them on the rest of your tree. And so, and then this is all stuff that is just kind of like a holistic approach to making sure that the tree is managed well so that it can produce fruit and also be healthy. Uh, That's one of the reasons why they say, you know, on the ones that are 45 degrees or less, you want to take those off because if you allow them to go and they get a lot of fruit because of the angle, the, that'll pull it through and it'll split the branch. And then it'll also pull a huge chunk of the bark off with it because of how the angle is so sharp. And then with that bark off, that's, that's right for disease or bugs or different types of pests to get in and, and kind of wreck them. Um, Whole mess of things. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I did, I somewhat familiar with it. I, I didn't know some of the, uh, the reasoning, the rationale. I thought it was more like a, an energy thing, but stop and think about it, kind of. Yeah. Well, and then the, also they recommended, and I got, uh, I got an organic one. Just be, I don't know. I don't know if organic's better or not, but I got an organic one anyways. But like any type, any of the wounds from trimming it, I sealed it up with the tree wound care stuff, and uh, and it, I mean they seem to be fine. They're starting to bud now. I mean this is this is what's so crazy about Texas. Um, like, like I said, it was freezing last week and this week all the plants are budding now. So like they're, they're ready. They're all like, okay, it looks like a spring now. <laughs> we, we had one, one week of cold temperatures and now it's time to, time to grow and, and be in spring. Yeah. So. I remember that. Like, I think it was last year or the year before, might've been the year before. Like we, it got warm early and then we had a, a late frost and like all the wild trees had, had put out buds and all the, the plums had blossomed and the frost just like yeah. killed everything. And there was nothing out there. We, we always pick like, you know, a, a decent amount of, of wild plums and, and eat them and make stuff with them. And, and there was nothing like at all. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that happens. I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. Fortunately, I mean, I'm hoping we don't have a late frost, but I think that we're, I mean, just, you know, knock on wood. Got it out of your system. By, yeah, judging by the way that Texas normally is, this is when our spring normally kind of starts anyways. Like the, it starts getting up into the 70s and, and it's pretty consistent until it's ungodly hot. Um, and uh, 
then it's ungodly hot <laughs> for a couple of months. Although I like it. I, I, I like it being like a hundred. I get for me, that's, you know, it feels good. It's nice to go out and cook. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I have my reservations about it being like that hot. It's uh, it can be nice, but then uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just, well, whew. you guys are, you're in Georgia where it's humid. So fortunately yeah, this, yeah. this part of Texas is it's not as dry as Cal- California where I'm from, but much drier than, you know, I lived in Virginia for almost 10 years and Virginia was Virginia beach was just so ungodly humid. Uh, it's probably worse in Georgia. I don't know, but like, I just remember just being like, I was there for 10 years and I, I just couldn't, I could never get used to how humid it was. I'll tell you, man, growing up in, in like North, you know, upstate New York, Northern New York and, and Vermont, like when we first moved down here, um, I was, I was never really cold. And, and this year is the first year that like, I, I actually bought a pair of boots instead of walking around barefoot. Like I, you know, yeah. <laughs> bought a, bought a hat to wear, like my blood's getting thin. I don't know if I'm getting old. I don't know what's going on. But I'm like, man, this is <laughs> not cool. But, um, yeah. So, um, one, one more thing about your trees. I, I'm curious with, with them being in pots, um, how often do you, do you repot them? How, how much management do you have to do for the, the root structures of them? Well, so far I haven't had to repot any of them yet. So the, the pomegranates, uh, I expect that I'll probably repot them at the end of this year, just to kind of give the roots a little bit more room. The, the orange is it's, um, it's a natural dwarf. So I, I probably shouldn't have to do too much. I could probably trim it back and then dig it up and, and trim the roots back a little bit in a couple of years and it should be fine. Um, and then, uh, the one that's the most interesting right now to me is the banana. And um, so bananas are really, really interesting. And it's only in a pot temporarily. It's going to go in the ground um, actually probably very soon. As soon as I know there's not going to be any frost, it's going to go in the ground. And um, But bananas, and I had no idea until I started reading about bananas, bananas only fruit one time. And, really? Uh, yeah. And, and then they die. But at the base of the banana – new banana clones grow. Okay. So that's how they propagate is they, you know, they fruit and they grow new clones. They don't even have to pollinate each other, or at least these types don't. I don't know about other types. This is, it's, these are called ice cream bananas. The ones that I got there, they're, they're small and very sweet. Um, but they're, they're cold, cold hardy up to about 35 degrees, uh, which is most of the time our winters don't get that cold. Um, this year was a, a huge exception, but uh, but what I'm going to do based on this year is plant the, the, now the mother plant and then let it go. And at the, at the start of winter next year is I will take some of the daughter plants, um, off of the base and put those in pots and bring them inside when it gets cold, but it should be, well, you know, knock on wood again, hopefully we have a, a nice, a nice long summer, um, it should be able to fruit and produce fruit and they should be ready to harvest by next December. Interesting. So how long does it take for them to, to actually fruit? Like how old does the, the plant need to be? It, well, they do it each year. So, so it's, so it's like an annual almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it basically. Yeah. So they do, they do it each year. They say between 12 and 18 months, uh, they'll fruit and, and, and then it produces about 45 pounds of fruit and, uh, and the tree will grow from, you know, the, you know, three foot or whatever it is right now to 30 feet in, in just one season. Like it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how fast they grow. 
and they, and apparently they're also, they don't need super nutritious soil. There's certain things that it's, it, they recommend you introduce. So they'll fruit faster. But for the most part, they don't, they don't require a huge amount of nutrition. Uh, they're pretty forgiving when it comes to the type of soil that they're planted in. They just need, they're actually even okay in the shade um, or partial shade. They need about six hours a day of full sunlight. Uh, and uh, I've got a perfect spot picked out for it. Um, the, the one guy that I've w- watched and he grows them, he's in Southern California, which is a little bit more consistent than here, but uh, you know, he, uh, it's similar enough and he grows them in his yard and he does the same thing. He says, you know, every winter he takes one of the clones off. Uh, usually he discards the other ones or sells them, but he takes one of the ones that he likes off and, um, plants it, brings it in for the winter, puts it back out in right next to the mother plant. Uh, because what you'll do, what he says to do is you chop it down to about six feet right. and just let it kind of decay on its own back down. And that'll put a lot of the nutrients back into the soil. Um, because they just grow so fast, they take, it sucks up a ton of the nutrients out of the, out of the dirt. So he says, you know, you want to add a little bit of fertilizer to it, any sort of anything you chop off of it. Cause they got these huge leaves and stuff too. Yeah. Any of that stuff that you chop off, you want to chop it up and just kind of lay it back down where you're going to plant next year's plants. Cause it makes that, that's what happens in nature. You want to mimic nature as much as possible. The other bananas will die around it and provide nutrients to, to the clones. That's interesting. I, I, I didn't, didn't realize that. And I, I, I'm wondering now, cause I've like, even here in Georgia, in some places I've seen people with like banana trees. Um, and they always, you know, they die back in the winter and they come back up the next year. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a different variety that, that does that or what they like, if it's just, they go through it in a couple of videos, this, they recommend the ice cream bananas because they taste good for one. And, and then two, they're, they're semi cold hardy. Um, so they're not, they're not cold hardy. Like you're not going to grow them in like Minnesota or something like that, but they're, they're cold hardy enough that you can, you can, you can have a good chance of getting them to fruit up here. We're in uh, I think zone eight B. So hardiness zone eight B it says you could probably get them to fruit. You may not every year. It, it, you may, it may be a year where, you know, something like this happens and in a, at a bad time and you just don't get to fruit. Um, but they're, they're also apparently really good pollinators too. So, uh, they just attract bees because their flowers are very sweet. And so uh, you'll, you'll get a lot more bees and stuff into your yard. So just having one in the yard uh, that's, that's flowering uh, helps out your other plants. So just cause it's, it's very, it smells good. It's attractive to the, the good insects. Mm. And, um, and they're also uh, very bug resistant. So like they like larger bugs, like um, cicadas or something like that can eat them. But like the, the normal things that are eating your other plants don't, they'll come and try to chew on them, but they, they're pretty resilient. So they, and the whole thing, it's, they're really interesting. Like after I started watching the videos, I was like, man, these are like fascinating plants. The trunk is just the leaves like wrapped around. So it's just, it's just layers and layers and layers of these leaves kind of. uh, And it makes them, they have a lot of strength uh, for the wind. It's, they're really, really interesting plants. Yeah. I bet that that, imagine just all a bunch of, I know papers rolled up into a, a tube and they just, the wind just kind of slide around. Cause I, I mean, I, you look at them, they look like giant palms almost, you yeah, know, like there's yeah. the big long leaf and this thing that kind of, I never knew that was how the, uh, the inside was, was put together. That's, yeah. They're, that's very cool. they're really neat plants. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that all the stuff I'm saying is true because, because <laughs> they, they told me online that these can grow in Dallas. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that that's true. Yeah. Um, hey man. 
and, and there's there's one guy who had a couple of videos online um and he's from not this side of dallas but the other side and he he grew one to fruit so i was like okay if he did it i can do it uh and and we'll have 45 pounds of bananas <laughs> and that's the thing though right like even if you just get get it to do it once every other year get it get one a year what you know it's like there it, it's it's cool it's fun and like that's a fair bit of fruit you know, whether you can eat it all or you dry it or whatever you do with it, I, I don't know. But like, it's a fair bit of bananas. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the guy, the one guy online said that it produces so much you can't eat them all because also the ice cream bananas are not, one of the reasons they're not available in stores, the ones that we get in stores, they're just good for shipping. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons, but there's a ton of varieties of bananas and, uh, they're just not usually very good at shipping. They spoil quickly. And, and that's kind of the same thing with the ice cream bananas is you got to quickly dry them or freeze them, uh, to make them useful in the long term. But, but fresh, like the guy, the one guy from Southern California, he, they, they, they don't all ripen at the same time. They kind of like ripen in stages on the bunch. So he'll go up and he'll just trim off small clusters of them and they'll bring them in and eat them. Uh, as the other ones are ripening. And he says, you can get, you can go and harvest a couple of bunches of bananas every week for a month. And that's cool. Uh, and it's plenty for you to eat there, but they're, uh, he says it's, it's, he says it's crazy because they, it really tastes like vanilla bean ice cream. He says that like the, it's the bent banana texture, but it's, but it tastes like vanilla bean ice cream. That's why they call them ice cream bananas. And, but they're tiny. They're like half the size of a regular banana. They're like the size of plantains, I guess. Okay. I feel like I've seen them before, either just mentioned or, or picture in passing or something. Uh, but that's uh, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm really I'm really hoping. I'm, that's the, I think that's the thing in the yard this year I'm most excited about is the uh, banana. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll uh, keep, our, keep our fingers crossed for you. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, you got a couple other things going on there. You, you Childerberg's coming up. That's um, right. And you, you wrote your, your numbers in, I don't know what. Um, so what, what year is this? This is three, four. This is three. This is three. three. So it's, it's okay. uh, the theme this year is. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. I cut it right there. If you, if you want to find out what he was going to say, what, what Childerberger means, uh, you're going to have to come back next week. How, how's that for a cliffhanger? Ooh, boy. Did that good, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, guys, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know banana trees aren't for everybody. We're not all in such nice climates. Enjoy some fresh bananas. But uh, I thought I thought it was interesting. I think it's interesting. Um, growing growing trees in pots, growing things in pots, that container gardening, and, and moving the containers uh, upsize, right? So we're not just doing our tomatoes. We're doing actual trees. Um, and I, it is possible. I know it's possible. I've seen it done. Jacob's doing it. It might require a little bit more work if you have the space. I don't know. But uh, give it a shot. Consider it. There are dwarf varieties out there that are, are small. And um, if you've ever delved into the world of bonsai, you know that trees can be kept small. You know, they, they can. And you can get fruit from them. And the fruit may be a little bit smaller, but usually not. Um, you might not get as much of a, a harvest as you would as a, a tree out in uh, the, the wild, a dwarf tree outside growing in the in the ground. But hey, you know, um, if you're limited on space, um, why not? Give it a shot. Like I said at the top of the show, go to the show notes, homesteads.homeschools.com slash 110, and there will be all sorts of links in there to his stuff, to my stuff. You can go check out all the things. Patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie will get you set up over there for some stickers and some seeds. Uh, rymcoffee.com, run your mouth coffee. That's the, the coffee that I'm, I'm shipping out to you all if you, if you want some. It's delicious. And you can use the promo code homestead for 10% off. Uh, and go to, 
agorist acres, because why not? You need some seeds, right? I know you need seeds. Everybody needs seeds. There's, quote, seed shortages. I, I don't know how much truth to that there is. Some places are, are short on seeds. Again, I don't know if it's, uh, I'm not sure why. I've not delved into it, but um, anyway, it's there. Somebody that's not short on seeds is agristakers.com. That's our buddy Dag, who's been on a few times, and I think I'm going to have him back on here, I don't know, in a little while, maybe get somebody else in his realm on here to talk about some herbs, but uh, well, all, all things to work on, things to do. Um, anyway, guys, I appreciate your time. Go leave a review on iTunes, help me out, and uh, what is there left to say other than get out there, sow those seeds of liberty, we can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream.